Good morning, really, really excited to be with you today. I'm Charles, I'm married to Christy. We're both part of the leadership team of Proximity Church in Stanford Lee Hope. You are very welcome to our home. We've recently invested in a nice bookshelf so that we can blend in with all the other Zoomers and maybe even make us look a bit more clever, clever, intelligent. What a crazy week it's been. I'm not sure how you've navigated this time, but for me, it's certainly had some highs and some lows. If there's one thing I've learned in this pandemic, it's that you can make plans, but they can and most likely will change. And sometimes within a matter of hours. And that's how my week's been for me. Our hearts are really crying out over the, the number of COVID cases, the number of deaths. Our hearts are broken and stirred as we see healthcare workers working night and day, as we um, think of parents facing homeschooling again, teachers that are scrambling trying to make things work. We think of people that are facing joblessness or their income has been really put under stress and strain. We think of people that are more and more isolated within their own homes and then this week we hear of what's happened in America and the wider divisions in community, the, the fear, the panic, the escalation of violence and the deterioration of trust and let's not pretend that that's just a problem that's happening in the States. We aren't so far away, we can fear those reverberations within our own community. These are trying and weighty times and let's not pretend anything different and yet this is also a new year it's January and I, I cherish these moments often moments to stop to look back to look forward and I work in school so I get two of them a year and as I've prepared for this talk in the wake of this week and in the advent of the new year I really feel that God's given me a message a message around a change of seasons a transitional time and a message that I hope would speak to you personally but one for us as a church. There's there's three things that I'm going to focus on. Christy always takes the mickey of me because I love a three-point sermon and this is my three-point sermon for you today and that's that firstly I, I want to talk about transition, secondly I want to talk about the heart and thirdly I want to talk about the call to pioneer, the call to pilgrimage. You've just heard some pretty big news regarding Rob and Sally that they'll be handing over leadership um, of proximity. This isn't them moving away. This isn't the, the, the end for them. Uh, more it's the start of a new beginning for them to serve God in new ways. We love you, Rob and Sally. We so appreciate all the sacrifices, the huge sacrifices that you've made throughout the years. For me personally, your role models, your trailblazers, you're my parents, you're the people that I look up to and love dearly. Rob and Sally have laid foundations and established something incredible in proximity. You wouldn't need to be a prophet to say that this is a time of transition for us as a church, but also I feel like this is a time of transition for you personally. There's something bigger, but there's something uniquely um, of a call for you here. COVID has shaped and shifted something in the world for, for forever and it's still shaking and it's still moving but we are at the start of this new year and I wonder if there's things for you at this time of transition to think about the things that you want to 
bring into the new year and the things that you want to leave firmly behind in 2020. We have a new year ahead of us, 2021 is a new horizon and this, this time is significantly different to this time last year. There are many occasions throughout the God story that demonstrate transitional moments. A passing of the blessing, a handing over of leadership, the times of hardship before a completion of a promise, a change in tempo, a shift in the way that God moves and God speaks. And in Genesis, I particularly just want to home in on Abraham's father, Terah, who set out to Ur, but settled in Haran. Now Haran was the name of Terah's son and Abraham's brother. This then perhaps you might say is the place where, um, where Haran died. In Terah's grief, he stopped. He couldn't go or set out any further. This was it for him. He established home and made a life for himself. And I would say for us in this COVID climate and the wider fractions that are facing us, where for some we have lost so much and for others we're losing more every day, there is the allure to, to settle. To, it can be a comforting um, thought and even a really appealing one. And I don't want to at all diminish in any way the quite frankly horrendous year that this has been for some of us. Grief must have a place. Lament is crucial. And if you are in this, this position, then I want you to know, please know that God is with you and not to rush it. But if we make grief our forever home, and if we settle in it for the rest of our lives, then eventually it's not going to be healthy. I feel that there is a call on us as church and a challenge to invite us into more. Do we want to stay here? Is there not more for us? I feel like Abraham at this point in the story where he, he knew some sort of comfort and familiarity, but he chose to step out into the unknown with God on a completely new adventure. Four months into World War II, King George VI was speaking and addressing the nation. Um, now this, uh, so World War II, no one wanted another world war. They were, their country was still very raw from the first one. People were burnt out, people were completely dissatisfied. But he said this at his address in December. I said to the man who stood at the gate of Yah, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. There is a call of God on us today to put our hand out into the darkness, to find God's hand, to listen like Abraham did, to hear God say, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. So what would be the equivalent for us today 
God might physically been asking some of you to move and I secretly and savagely really hope that that is not the case. But for others this might mean a change of job, a shift in the way that you perceive your role, a greater call and commitment of your time, your finances and a call to serve God in new ways. But why? Why did Abraham take God at his word when there was no evidence of him being able to come true on his promises? How would he bless him? How would his name become great? How would he inherit a land and have a dynasty? Do we set out on these God adventures for the sake of prosperity? No, I don't think for one second that that was the actual call that Abraham received. I believe it was like the psalmist would say, for your love is better than life itself. The unknown path is better than the known that I have now. A taste of what I have now is not the same as the fulfillment of all that you've got for me, God. We can hold on to comfort and familiarity, but they will not satisfy us for forever. In Alcoholics Anonymous, um, one of the steps is to recognize the whole in your soul. There is something within you that is born to journey deep into the heart of God, to experience life in its fullness. This world ultimately will not satisfy in all its luxuries and in all its beauty, but there is something far more beautiful and wild to behold. My personal conjecture on this story on the call of Abraham is that perhaps Abraham was the first one to actually say yes. Maybe God had a line of people where he was calling but they didn't have the courage or didn't dare to step out. Perhaps even Terah was the first one that God called but he chose to settle and he missed out on the journey. So I believe that this is a transitional moment for us, that God is calling us out again, out of comfort, out of familiarity, to invite us anew to seek first his kingdom above all else. In the summer of 2019, I entered my 29th year and therefore I was fast approaching 30. And this just felt significant for some reason. And if you know me, you will know how much I was dreading this. I was just facing so many insecurities, lots of second guessing and real discomfort. I felt like I was at a crossroads. I'd had an amazing 10 years of adventure. God literally took me all over the world. I was able to plant and establish the school's work, the cafe in Reading, the, the first, the second prayer house that we had, Monday House Church, loads of miracles, loads of failures, loads of losses, but ultimately so many gains. I felt like it would really be easy to settle, to stop pushing and start relaxing. I'd given God some good years, maybe even my best, but now it's time for a family, now it's time to settle, now it's time to, to just stop. But what I felt more than that was that ache within my heart. I felt a call that God was saying, no, Charles, there's more. I reflected that Jesus only started his ministry when he was 30. And perhaps all this to this moment was that God was preparing me for what was to come. And I didn't know then where Rob and Sally were at and I didn't know what was gonna be happening in my 30th year. I made some big changes then when I was 29. I went from working a 45 hour plus week to working a full day week. Um, I wanted to exercise more, to study more and find God in new ways. 
I didn't know that in that year we'd face a global pandemic. Um, but God really did do some amazing things this last year. I did exercise more than I've ever done in a long time. I was able to join a 24-7 leadership course and was invited to be a part of an apostolic discipleship course. Um, I've, I've really, uh, yeah, feel like this year has stretched and grown me, but also this year has been really difficult. My faith and hope have been stretched far beyond I've ever experienced, and I've felt pain more intensely and doubted more profoundly than ever. All my insecurities have been tested and my securities shaken and to some extent I feel like they still are. As I look to the future I do so uh, with anticipation and excitement because I still feel that call to put my hand out into the darkness and find the hand of God, for surely it is safer and better for me than the known path. I do not choose to settle for a taste of what God has for me. I want to feast on it and I want you to feast on it too. I want you to be satisfied with the rich, richest of foods. Do you feel the Spirit stirring you, calling you, inviting you? He is not done with you. He's not done with proximity. There are chapters of your story, of our story, that are still to be written. There is an adventure and an untrodden path for us all. And at this time of transition, more than ever, God wants to know that he has our hearts. In Revelation 2, we read of Jesus speaking to the churches and in his first letter, he says this. This is a paraphrase. You have worked hard. You have resisted the enemy. You have done well. However, there is one thing I hold against you. You've forgotten your first love. Oh, that's a kick. That's an ouch moment. Imagine that being said to you. But I don't think this is one of condemnation from Jesus. But I think it's rather the call of the bridegroom for his bride. What matters to God more than anything else in this time of transition is your answer to a question that Jesus asked his disciples. It's a question that we all probably too quickly and automatically say, yes, yes, of course do. But Jesus thinks it's so important that he asks it three times. He goes deeper than the surface. He really cares how we respond. He wants us to think deep and hard about our answer. Jesus says, do you love me? It's a tender question. Our God, the God of heaven and earth, wants to know more than anything else that we love him, that we really love him. It's a show of vulnerability from the divine, an acknowledgement and a capacity to be hurt, an openness to be rejected but it's also a deeper call to fellowship and companionship with Jesus. If we're gonna go from here, and that there, if there is a call for us to keep pioneering, if this is a transitional moment, then God wants to know he has all of us. It reminds me of in Hebrews 12, where uh, Paul says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. 
Where are your eyes fixed? Rabbi Abraham Joshua Herschel says this, faith is the endless pilgrimage of the heart. The God adventure first and foremost starts into, in our hearts and our pursuit of God's heart. To explore its depths, to span its widths, there is more for us than this. The Spirit of God wants to consume us. The things of this world that grab our hearts, eventually they burn us. They burn a deeper hole in our soul. In contrast, being consumed with love for God leads only to greater fullness of life. As we pursue Jesus, our hearts become a place where heaven and earth meet. It reminds me of the temple where the fire burned day and night. We can burn for God, a fire that won't be quenched. We know from Jesus' life that as he prepared for his inauguration, as he prepared for his 30th year, that he spent 40 days in the desert. And in that time, he was tested of, in every way. He was tested for his basic needs. He was tested in his identity, his, um, his willingness to have power and dominion. He was tested even in his relationship and faith with God. So Jesus, even Jesus had to wrestle with his heart. And again, he did that before his crucifixion. I find comfort in this because I find myself so often wrestling with my heart's desires. Abraham went on to have a son and God said, would you sacrifice him for me? It's strange to think that. In my life, I have key moments where God has allowed me to wrestle more so than most with my heart's desires. Before and Christy and I got together, I was in the prayer room for a prayer week and I was wrestling with these feelings for Christy, but also a call that I felt like God had on my life that required everything and required sacrifice. I was really inspired by people like Jackie Pullinger that as a young lady felt a call of God and she went across the waters and set up an amazing ministry with addicts in Hong Kong. Um, so I, I felt like I got to a point where I said, okay, God, I really desire a husband, but if your call on my life is bigger than that, then I'm willing to lay it down. Now that was not an easy thing, and it was not a throwaway comment. And it was something that I'm sure I would have to keep on praying pretty much every day for the rest of my life. My prayer slot ended and in, come, in came Kate, and she might have taken one look at me and thought, flipping it, I need to pray for Charles because she needs some help. Um, so she said, Charles, I just really feel like we should pray for husbands. And I was like, no, I've just given this to God. <laughs> so I just let her do it because I was like wrestling with all this stuff. So she, so she prayed and she was like, God, I pray for men of faith for me and Shaw. And I said, amen, whatever God, whatever you have in store for me. Anyway, that weekend, Christy, I would say, had a prophetic dream that sparked a conversation that we had that sparked the start of our relationship. God wanted to know he had my heart. So there is a transition coming for you and for us at church. God is calling us to realign our hearts, to be a first love people, like Jesus said. Then what? Well, then I feel that there's a call to pioneer. Proximity Church began in 2007. In April, we'll have our 14th birthday and enter our 15th year. It's been an amazing journey. We've grown. We've had an incredible ride, but is this all that God has for us? I don't believe it. 
We could settle here. We could maintain what we have. We could stop pushing for more. But I don't think for one second that that's how we're wired or what God has for us. And even for you personally, in your personal walks with God, do you hear the sounds and the stirrings of the Spirit? What might He be calling you into and leading you into? This, I believe, actually is a time of waiting and preparing, listening and seeking. We are in a time of transition, but we aren't there yet. When COVID eases, the landscape will forever have changed and we'll need new vehicles to navigate it. However, this is the part of the in the stories that we don't necessarily hear of. We don't get a 40-day diary of Jesus in the desert. We don't get a 40-year biography of Moses or the highs and lows of Joseph in prison. What we do know is that for each of these characters and so many more, this time was a time of waiting, a one of formation, of depth, of wrestling with God, growing in character, wisdom and stature. Alan Emerson last week as he was speaking to his church was saying this, we need holy and humble hearts for this new season. We also need a new authority that can only be gained in the secret place. Jesus was led into the desert by the Spirit, but he left in the power of the Spirit. And the first thing he did was he said this, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. So come on, let this be a time of anointing. Let this be a time of the Spirit empowering you, speaking to you, setting your hearts on fire again. This is my prayer for us as a church that in this season of preparation and discerning, that Jesus will remind us of our first love and reinstate that in our hearts, that we would seek him first and throw off everything that so easily entangles. To hear the question, the tender question of Jesus asking, do you love me? Do you really love me? Because the first pilgrimage and journey that we're called to is this endless pursuit of the heart, the heart of God. Love is our beginning. It's where we've come from and where we're going to. Love is our home key. This year is going to be a year of transition into what we don't know yet. However, first and foremost, it's a year of passionate pursuit of the one who pursues us. It's a challenge not to settle or to assimilate with this world, but to get our hearts right, our lives and priorities ready. St. Francis, surrounded by his uh, monk brothers, utters these final words on his deathbed. So let us begin. He handed on the baton as if his life had been a prelude to the bigger, wider story of God. And we know what that, what that ministry went to go on to do. So in this month of January, I really am um, asking for you to, to lay aside, aside some time for Jesus, to hear, you, hear him ask you this simple question, do you love me? And to give time to honestly answer that. It's a strange to think about pioneering when we have lived somewhere maybe most of our lives, where we've, where we've got mortgages, where we've committed to live to where we feel settled, where our kids go to school. But I believe there is a counter-cultural call on us as proximity, to live as missionaries, as prophets, as evangelists, as teachers, as pastors, sent from heaven with kingdom assignments on this earth. 
to be a place where heaven touches earth and people can feast on the presence of Jesus. He has given us authority. He wants to give us more. He has anointed us. He wants us to anoint us further. He wants us to be a blaze for him. So let this be a month of refreshing and receiving from the Holy Spirit. Let this be a time of discernment and repentance. Let this be a time of dreams awakening and miracles of the Spirit. Let us begin.